the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Devo. Well, this is going to be quite the interesting edition of The Dish tonight slash this morning as we come to you at nearly 1 a.m. And let's get right to some of your tweets real quick here, and I'll give you the quick answer. Devo, is it time to panic yet? No. Devo, is it almost time for a closed-door meeting? No. Devo, is it time to change the lineup or fire the hitting coach? Absolutely hell no. I'm assuming you're joking on the hitting coach. And as far as the lineup goes, we'll discuss that coming up in just a few minutes. As it's another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation. Never fun when the team is going through a tough stretch, and that's where we're at right now. But again, the Royals are still 12-10. and 10. I don't even know where they're at. I believe they're three games back of the White Sox. I don't pay attention to the standings until July, period. I know where the Royals are at record-wise, and I know to a degree what the other teams are doing. I know Cleveland's playing much better. Although they lost tonight and have had some tough losses. The bullpen has been very leaky, as we thought it would be. I know Detroit's been playing a bit better. And I know that the White Sox have been hot until they lost a couple against Baltimore. So I know these things are going on, but I really don't care about them at this point. So I'm not concerned about what place the Royals are in. And we have a lot to cover tonight, though. So let's dig right in here. We'll talk about the batting order, if it's time to make changes. We'll go over a lot of things from this game. Lord knows a lot to talk about. And we'll preview the next two as well. But first, our player of the game, it's Chris Medlin, obviously. Medlin, five and a third. One run on one hit in this game. And, of course, it's the sixth inning leading off Seth Smith, a guy the Royals nearly acquired from the Padres last year, a guy they've been looking at the last couple of years. Sex, Seth, why am I saying sex? Freudian slip there. It's almost 1 a.m. Seth Smith, not Sex Smith. Although he may be having sex after hitting a, <laughs> a game-winning home run tonight, right? Seth Smith, though, hits that home run off of a, a pitch that Medlin just centered in the middle of the plate there, leading off that sixth inning. And it was too bad because Medlin, man, was he good tonight, painting. And if you're into these kind of things, I mean, we saw we saw what the Marlins had a no-hitter going into the ninth tonight, then went to the bullpen and ended up almost blowing the game, had the bases loaded after giving up a few runs before they got out of that one. So if you're into those kind of things, Madeline did have a no-no going into the sixth, which I didn't really even realize because it would never seem like it was a possibility tonight. But that one, that one hit was all it was. Yikes. Just barely got it out to right field over Gerard Dyson. Great effort by him. Other than that, though, Medlin three strikeouts. Did walk five, but I thought the Royals were getting squeezed all night by Vic Calapazzo, the home plate umpire. I, I thought they were getting squeezed, especially Luke Hochaver in the eighth inning. So the five walks aren't as bad as they sound. I thought Medlin was painting. He looked great. And that's the Medlin I remember a couple years ago prior to Tommy John surgery number two was the guy who lived at the knees with the fastball. It's like he threw darts at the knees, just lived. He painted. That's the exact Chris Medlin tonight that I remember. Honest to God, that's I, I was thinking that to myself. I'm like, this is exactly the guy I've had in my head. And tonight was the first time for extended periods where he looked like that guy. He's had some nice outings, especially last year. There were a couple of them. But tonight, to me, was the, the night where Chris Medlin looked like the old Chris Medlin, and that is great news going forward. So you can't, while there's a lot of negative to talk about tonight, you can't forget to talk about how good Chris Medlin was tonight. So a tip of the cap to him. Unfortunately, he ran into Sex Smith. That time was intentional, by the way. Danny Duffy comes in, throwing gas. 98, strikes out Adam Lind. The lefty gets the lefty. Kyle Seager gets out of a mess uh, when Medlin you know, had the walk there in the sixth inning when Ned pulled him at the correct time. 
Duff looked great tonight. Just let it all out there. And how about Joaquin Soria? Another good thing we're going to talk about. And believe me, for all the vultures, we have some negatives coming up. Don't worry. I'll feed what you want here and just give me a couple minutes. we got to go over some good things. There, believe it or not, are quite a few. Joaquin Soria, the other one that really stuck out to me. Best inning of the season, without a doubt, in the seventh inning. Just because of the fact that the curveball was there. The f- There's been about three curveballs the entire season that look like the old Joaquin Soria. And that was the one that looked like the most. The one that he struck out Chris Iannetta to lead off that seventh inning. The slow curve that falls off the table, drops down. That was the first one all season that he's throwing at an A-plus level. There was a couple others that were pretty good, but that was the best. And a nice one, two, three clean inning for Joaquin Soria. I even saw him field the position really well on that button attempt by Marte. So a nice job by Soria. That's great to see. That's very good to see. Luke Kochaver, like I said, Vic Carapaza squeezed him in the eighth. He walked a couple, but pitched around it. All right, so those are the positives from tonight. I guess there's one other positive. Lorenzo Kane had a couple of hits and hit the ball the opposite way that first time with authority. Looked like vintage Locaine. That was good to see, especially against a guy like Felix Hernandez. Other than that, though, that's about it. All right, so the Royals offense, brutal, no question, awful. It, it was bad. And yes, I'm aware of the opponent, and you've heard me several times tip my cap to the opposing pitcher this year. Good three or four times I've said it was all about the opposing pitcher and not the Royals. Not tonight, though. And I, I understand the Royals have Felix Hernandez. Probably the best pitcher in Seattle Mariners history. I understand that. I understand one of the best pitchers in the game still. Even though he's lost a lot of velocity. Doesn't miss the bats like he used to. He's still one of the great ones. They call him King Felix for a reason. But I also understand the Royals had so many chances tonight. First of all, they were 0-11 for 11 with runners in scoring position. They left 7 on base. And yes, Felix had something to do with that. But again, he struck out four in seven and two-thirds. And half of those, at least two of those, were the Royals just having completely god-awful bats where they didn't adjust. So really, if you had a team up there who was even semi-disciplined, he maybe strikes out two max tonight. Honestly. And yes, I know another team might not be as good as hitting the fastball, so maybe he would still have four or five because the Royals do put the bat in the ball pretty good. And even this year, while they're striking out more, strikeouts are up throughout the league, so they're still in the upper half of not striking out in the American League. So still doing a good job there, but, you know, whatever. You get the point. Second inning, Eric Hosmer leads off with a single on the you know little infield single, and Felix tries to throw him out, throws the ball away. Hosmer gets the second. Nobody out. Second inning. you got to score, right? Especially after Kendris Morales, very good at bat, grounds out to shallow right to Robinson Cano, moving Hosmer to third. One out. Unfortunately, Alex Gordon pops out to very shallow left field to the shortstop Marte and then Salvador Perez. Oh, my goodness. The worst at bat of the game. What in God's name was he doing up there? Strikes out swinging. He did somehow make contact with one of the three breaking balls that was basically in the dirt. But balls that were a foot outside at the ankles, three in a row, he just hacks at them. I'd, I'll even give him the benefit of the doubt on one of them. But after you see that pitch, come on, you see it that many times in a row, you got to be able to make an adjustment. It was a brutal at bat there. Fourth inning, Lorenzo Kane, a solid single to right. One of two hits for Low Kane tonight. Great to see that. 
And then Kendrys, a one-out single, putting runners at first and second, right? So fourth inning, now you're like, okay, nothing, nothing. We got first and second, one out. Alex is coming up. He'll, he'll get the job done here. Unfortunately, four, six, three, double play. Didn't score there. Fifth inning, Gerard Dyson gets to second base with two outs. That's a long story short. And Eski continues a miserable offensive season by striking out again on breaking balls nowhere close to the strike zone. And you've got, you know, Hudler chuckling. And it is kind of funny seeing the booty swings by Escobar. It's kind of funny, but it's kind of not because it's like, come on. Quit trying to pull everything, you know? Quit, quit, first, quit swinging at him in the first place, but I, I don't even want to talk about it. It was just ugly in the fifth inning. Eighth inning, Eski steals second with two outs. Could this be the hit down one nothing? Moose flies out to right. Lorenzo Kane, a ground out as well. Sorry, I'm getting, <laughs> getting a little stressed right now. And ninth inning. Ninth inning is the one time where the Royals did honestly have horrible luck. I mean, good Lord. How many times can you almost win a game in the ninth inning? But that's how it goes in baseball. You know, you make your own breaks. And there's no excuses here because the Royals blew so many chances and had so many poor at-bats tonight. That I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna use bad luck as an excuse. There's no excuse. The game should have already been put away by then. The Royals had to have had two runs by then, even one. But you gotta have at least two runs. No, you gotta have two runs by then. Eric Hosmer singles solidly up the middle to start the ninth. All right. At that point, I'm thinking Terrence scores coming into the game. You would think, right? After not using him in the eighth for Escobar, I thought for sure Terrence score comes in there. Especially when Eric Hosmer. Attempts to steal twice with Kendris Morales at the plate. I mean, Eric Hosmer, yes, runs well, but I mean, he's average major league speed out there. In a one-run game, you're having him run, and I get it. If you tie it up, who's going to play first base? Well, Kendris Morales can move over, and then that leaves the pitcher spot. But remember, you have Christian Colon, Paula Orlando. So let's say the game goes 15 innings. You're covered. I mean, you've got two at bats. That's eighteen. That's that's you're protected for twenty six at bats before a pitcher has to hit. Think of it that way, because nine times from then you have Cologne, nine times from then you have Orlando, and then nine times from then the pitcher would hit. Because you're obviously not going to use your backup catcher at that point. The chances of the of this game ever going to 15, 16 innings were like half a percent. And even if they did, fine. Bring in one of your starters that's a decent hitter to come in. Get down a bun or just take some pitches or whatever. If it gets to that point, worry about it later. Why is Terrence Gore on the roster? It just seemed kind of odd. And I'm not overly mad about this. I, I don't. It wouldn't have mattered most likely. Although if you swipe that bag with Kendry's heading, maybe that changes the at bat. Maybe Kendry's then can focus on hitting the ball to the right side, or God forbid, maybe Gore swipes third and then you score him without a hit. It just seemed very odd to me. Like you can't just assume you're going to tie the game up, and you can't just assume you're going to put. Gore on once Kendrys gets on. I'm assuming if you asked Ned, he would say we didn't have anybody to play first. Haas runs well, and we were going to use Gore if Morales got on. But you can't just assume Morales is going to get on. You've got to get the game tied first at that point. Just found it odd that he didn't come in with Haas stealing. He did eventually get over there on the strikeout by Kendrys, which, oh, by the way, you guessed it was on a breaking ball a foot inside and low. Alex strikes out after that. And back to Kendrys, by the way, during that at bat, he did miss a home run by like three feet. Like he crushed a ball to right field that would have given the Royals essentially a whim with Wade Davis warming up. The ball was fouled by less than 10 feet, just barely hooked. So, yes, there was some bad luck there. Alex strikes out after the Kendrys strikeout. But again, like with that bad luck, Kendrys still struck out on a pitch that was 
an obvious ball four. So again, you had bad luck, but again, you created your own bad luck by striking out there again. I have to think of this first and second with nobody out, too. Alex might be bunting right there. Possibly. And that changes the whole complexion of the inning. You've got Gordon's a pinch runner for one of the two. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Alex strikes out. Salvador Perez hits a ball down the third baseline that's foul by like nine inches, of course. So we missed a double there that would have tied it up. And then just for good measure to make the night even more of uh, pouring salt in the wounds, <laughs> Salvi crushes a ball that literally, if it's like 10 more feet to the left or right, is a home run. But as it is, Leonis Martin face plants into the wall, makes the catch, holds on, it takes a double and a tie away from the Royals, and they lose. Still, I'm not going to blame bad luck, and I'm not going to tip the cap tonight. It was a bad loss by the Royals. Chris Medlin pitched a hell of a game. you got to find a way when you've lost three games in a row to win that game tonight. Right? Not good. The Royals have lost five of six now. That's not good. Two 12 and 10 teams tomorrow. Both teams, Seattle and KC. I can't wait to hear somebody say, oh, well, something's got to give. Both teams are 12 and 10. I love announcer speak. Someone's going to say that tomorrow. If if not on our broadcast, it won't be the FSM broadcast. We're too good for that. But someone someone in Seattle will say that. One of the sports hosts there or their local network. Hey, it's 12 and 10, a battle of teams. Something's got to give today. Your Donald Ventura is 2-0 with a 2-3-5. I feel very confident in him tomorrow. The Royals better win this game tomorrow because if they don't, there's a good chance they're getting swept. Let's, there's a spoiler alert for you. Ventura, oh, by the way... It will, Okay, well, okay. Ventura against lefty Wade Miley, who's 1-2 with a 7-0-4. Pause that for a second. Back to the lineup question real quick before we get to tomorrow. The lineup question, is it time to change the lineup? No. I don't think it quite is, but I, we're getting pretty close. I mean, Escobar has statistically been your worst hitter in the lineup. He should not be getting the most at-bats. And I don't think it would hurt anything to toy with things. Do you move Moose up to first? No, I don't think you do. Who do you put there? I don't know exactly. I don't know. Dyson? Probably is the most obvious, but I don't, Ned doesn't like two lefties back-to-back. Do you move ha, Moose to third and move Kanan to second? Do you move Gordo to leadoff? Do you move Kane to first? I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. I know Ned likes the right-left, right-left, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know that Dyson would lead off, and I don't know that you want to move Moose. There really are about five or six options he could do. The Royals don't have that quote-unquote prototypical leadoff hitter, but th- does that really exist anymore? Just put the guys who get on base the most at the top of the lineup. And it's not that hard to figure it out. But uh, do I think that's going to happen tomorrow or Sunday? No. And Ned Yost subscribes to the Bobby Cox theory of managing, which is when you've made a, a semi-major decision in your head, wait a week and then see if you still want to do it. And especially when we're not even close to the 45-game mark yet. I think Ned probably made the decision that, yes, it's probably about time to change the lineup maybe two or three days ago. So I would suspect the only way we see this change is the first game against the Nationals if they lose the next two, or if they happen to split the next two, let's say, and then lose two or three to the Nationals, the first game of the next road trip. I think he'll do it the first game of a series, and I think I think things will have to get a little bit worse for that to happen. I'm not still convinced it'll happen yet. That's the answer to the lineup question. As far as what do I do, I don't know. I'd have to sit down and toy with it. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter a whole bunch, except for the fact that you want your best hitters getting the most at-bats. The order they come in, as long as they're you know in the top five, doesn't matter that much. But I do think it's not a bad idea to put Eski back in the ninth spot for a while. Maybe put Dyson up there. I don't know. Because, again, the thing, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I do. I kind of like the idea of I kind of like the idea of the whole uh, Dyson, Kane, Moose. No? I don't know. Left, right, left. I don't know. Anyway, back, uh, the, <laughs> back on track. 
to tomorrow's game. It's your Donna Ventura 2-0 with a 2-3-5 against Wade Miley, 1-2 with a 7-0-4. Ventura against Baltimore was very good against that potent lineup. Seven innings, just one run on three hits. Yes, please. Four Ks and two walks. That was key that he was limiting the walks in that game to just two. Miley has been awful this year, but did own KC last year. Now, this year, the, 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 the good news is his last start was like his best start of the year. He gives up four runs and seven and a third at Anaheim on six hits, three Ks and two walks. And he's not been good this year, like I said. 7-0-4 ERA. The bad news is last year against KC, Miley was 2-0 with an 0-7-6 when he pitched with Boston. So that's not good. Royals got to win tomorrow. You've lost 5-6, 4 in a row, and you're facing Taiwan Walker, one of the best young pitchers in baseball on Sunday. And yes, you've got your ace going in Kennedy too, but you got to win tomorrow. Got to get that game. Have to get that game tomorrow. Am I going to panic if they don't? No. Am I going to panic if they get swept? No. Am I going to panic if they get swept and then lose 2 out of 3 to Washington? Yes. Right now, my concern level is a 2.5 and a 1 to 10 scale. It was a 2 the other day. The Royals are still 12 and 10. They're fine. Got to get that win, though, tomorrow. And I believe they will. I do think they will, honestly. Now, Ian Kennedy and Taiwan Walker, 2 and 2 with a 2.77 for Ian. Walker, 2 and 0 with a 1.44. Kennedy coming off a rough start against the Angels, five runs on seven hits and six innings. Now, Walker, just 23 years old, complete stud. The next Felix, maybe? I don't know. Stuff's there. 144 ERA, like I said. How about a whip of 0.96? And how about this stat? 25 innings, 25 Ks, right? That's not even the most impressive thing. 25 Ks and three walks for Walker. That's an 8.3 K to BB ratio for Walker. That's video game stuff, man. 23 years old. Comes off seven innings, one run on six hits against the Astros. 11 Ks and one walk in that one. Filthy. Sits mid-90s, tops in the upper 90s. Walker, to me, is what a lot of Royals fans thought and some still think Ventura is, the number one. I I think Ventura profiles is more of a 2-3, and I think Walker is a 1-2. Not hating on either of them. Ventura is a damn good pitcher, and I believe he'll win tomorrow, and I believe he is extremely important to the Royals' future and a very valuable asset to have locked down. So not hating on Ventura, simply stating that a, a comparison for those who haven't seen Walker is what we thought maybe Ventura was two years ago. When he threw fire more, quote unquote, threw fire more. The velocity is better for Walker, and the results have been more consistent. If he can stay healthy, though, that's the question. It'll be a tough one to win, but I do like Ian Kennedy going on Sunday. Bottom line, you have to get one of these next two. Do not want to come home on a six-game losing streak in seven of eight, having to face the Nationals, who, by the way, are not that good. You locked down Bryce Harper. I've been following this team extensively all year. Good pitching, but you locked down Bryce Harper. Not much in that lineup. So I, I do like the Royals in that series against the Nationals, by the way, especially when you've got Volquez going and Chris Young and Medlin. Those will be good matchups coming up uh, on the three-game ho- three home set at the K, and hope you can make it out there and, and see Bryce Harper, who is probably, for me, the best player in Major League Baseball right now. So there you have it. That's that's where we're at right now on Clubhouse Conversation. Appreciate you staying up late or listening to this before the game on Saturday night. And we'll talk to you again, speaking of Saturday night, after the game tomorrow night on Saturday night. Another late night edition of The Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you were able to check out the interview we did yesterday, two days ago. And hope you'll come back again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. Good night. Go Royals.